Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Living Clean Study for the Anonymous podcast. Uh, this is episode three. We're going to begin on page four with Keys to Freedom. But before that, we're going to give our introductions. Brian B., can you jump in and introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, everyone. My name is Brian B. I'm an addict. My clean date is 11-18-2019, and I attend meetings in southwestern Pennsylvania. Thanks, Brian. What's up, Barb? Hi, my name is Barb R. I, uh, my clean date is October 4th, 1995. I attend meetings in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and on Zoom in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Thanks, Barb. What's up, Lee? I'm Lee, I'm an addict, grateful to be an addict, clean date 82787, uh, 10 meetings all over the place through Zoom, and physically, my home group is the Open Mind Group of Narcotics Anonymous, Monday nights, New Orleans, 7.30. Thanks, Lee. What's up, Paul? I'm Paul M. I attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana as well, and my clean date is January 6th, 1995. Thanks, Paul. What's up, Jane? Hey, Jane A here, and I attend meetings in the wonderful state of Oregon in the mid Willamette Valley, Salem, Oregon, and my clean date is December 22nd, 1979. Thanks, Jane. What's up, Eva? Hi, everybody. Eva P. here, Salem, Oregon, mid Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, my clean date is uh, June 10th, 2000, and I um, attend meetings in the Salem area and online. Thank you. Thanks, Eva. And our guest, Lisa. <laughs> I feel like family now. Lisa H., uh, clean date, July 22nd, 2005. And I attend meetings in Salem, Oregon as well in the Middle Willamette Valley area. All right. Thanks, Lisa. And I'm Attic. My name is Douglas. I got clean March 12th, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks, Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast, Episode 3. We're going to begin on page four with Keys to Freedom, and Jane A. is going to facilitate. Jane, take it away. Okay. Good afternoon or evening, depending on where you're at. Welcome. This is a really good one. Lisa, you want to start us off with uh, Keys to the Freedom? And the first big paragraph and then comments. I got that. My name is Lisa. I'm an addict. Keys to freedom. As we practice these principles in all our affairs, they gain traction in our lives and they start feeling more natural. For example, in the beginning, we may have to consciously, we may have to consciously practice being honest. As we continue this practice, we find dishonesty progressively more uncomfortable, perhaps even agonizing. And gradually we notice that honesty has become more normal for us. We are basically honest people and we even like it. Some say this is how we know a higher power is involved. When our defects are removed, we may not feel them go. We may not even notice the change unless we fall back into old behavior and find that it is no longer comfortable or workable for us. We call our sponsor in distress over having done it again, or even because we are thinking about acting on that old defect and realize how long it has been since that behavior had crossed our minds. Learning to survive our impulses without acting out is a new freedom. Over time, the desire to act against our values begins to fade. <laughs> Man, that uh, learning to survive our impulses without acting out is a new freedom. And what I find is that I have to recall that freedom again and again and again, and I have to allow it to be fresh again and again and again. Um, <clears throat> I'm still a flawed individual. You know, it says we may not even notice the changes unless we we may not even notice the change unless we fall back into old behavior and find that it no longer comfortable and workable for us. It becomes more uncomfortable. It sure does. Um, 
sometimes it still works, you know, as long as I'm throwing some manipulation in with it and uh, I manipulate the situation for myself. Um, but it does become more and more uncomfortable, you know, so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that the 12 steps give me that freedom that this paragraph refers to. Um, and over time, the desire to act against our values begins to fade. Uh, I found that in myself lately. The closer I become with my higher power, um, the more that uh, the desire to act against them fades. Uh, it's no longer comfortable, so I can't do it. I can't do it without my conscious kicking in. Um, and I'm grateful for that today because my ultimate goal is to go out and share what my higher power has done for me through the 12-step process with everyone I come in contact with, not just, not just recovering addicts anymore, you know, uh, because the program of Narcotics Anonymous needs to have uh, an attraction to it because we don't go out and promote it. So I have to be the attraction and that starts with be being uncomfortable with that defective behavior. So that's what I got. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lisa. Anybody else? Yeah, Eva. Hi, everybody. <clears throat> So this, um, um, in this area right here where it says we call our sponsor in distress having, over having done it again, or even because we're thinking about acting out, well, I don't call my sponsor when I think about acting out. It's usually after I've done it. And, um, <laughs> and I'm not playing there. It's like, ah, oh, crap. Now I'm going to have a writing assignment. That's my first thought, right? And, um, and it's usually because, you know, she has this plan of how to get me back on track because I, um, we've been together so long, but my first thought is Facebook. I don't know how many people do, or social media in general, um, it's really easy to be sitting at home with your phone and, um, and spout off something that you're like, you put it on there and then you're like, crap, I need to take that down. Or my sponsor goes, did you really just post that shit? And I'm like, um, maybe I need to reread it because I didn't, you know, I don't even, it is so natural sometimes to act out on a de character defect still that I don't even notice that I do it until it's somebody points it out. Um, however, that is so much less than it used to be. She's like, you know, sometimes she'll even come out with, God, you haven't posted anything I needed to call you out on on Facebook lately. I'm so proud of you. That's how often I was doing it. So, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's progress, not perfection, thank God. But, um, but it does get uncomfortable when I act out, you know what I mean? And, and a great example was area this weekend. I don't know um, if it was necessarily acting out, but I did behave in a way that now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh, that, that wasn't very pretty. Um, could I have done it any different in that moment, the way I was feeling? Probably not. But I know that I've learned something from it um like how to respond to somebody i was reacting and not responding and and um crap so i mean if you're new here and you still do stuff like that or if you are, are not new but you know like four or five years or whatever um even at 20 years i still do that so maybe i'm a slow learner or maybe i just really like some of them character defects who knows Thanks, Eva. Paul. Yeah, I um I think Eva's the norm, not the the outlier, right? Because I think this paragraph is a little misleading. Um, it says, when our defects are removed, we may not feel them go. Like it's some magical sucking sound, and all of a sudden everything's gone. It's not true. It's that's a lie. So I'm gonna call this paragraph out. It's a lie. <clears throat> That's not how this works. At least it doesn't sound it like for Eva. And I'm gonna say Eva's not the is not the the weirdo here, but unless there's two weirdos, which would be me and Eva. So <clears throat> that's what you know. I, it gets it gets less. I don't act out on it as much. It doesn't come up as much. But I don't know. I. I also have a problem, and I could be wrong about this. Uh, we continue to this practice, we find dishonesty progressively more uncomfortable. I actually agree with that. But it, then it says, 
that we're on, you know, we're honest. Look, look, I, I think I see, see myself as a liar who tells the truth. I'm a smoker who doesn't smoke. I'm a drug addict, I'm a drug addict who doesn't get high. My, my nature are those things. And I don't want to be in denial about that. I don't want to walk around Narcotics Anonymous thinking, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. That's been magically removed. None of that has been magically removed. It is hard, progressive, incremental work. It's not, this is not a magic show. This is day in, day out, working on this process. And look, that sounds hard, but it's not. What's hard is going back to the way I used to live and trying to find some way to get high today. It's much more freeing to go, oh, guess what? I got to get on this podcast, do that for an hour. Then I get to go have dinner with a friend of mine because I have enough money to afford to buy dinner and enjoy the company of a person I've known since the fourth grade who, when I was using, couldn't stand to be around me because I was a user and a taker. So this process has many payoffs, but I have to work at it because I am a liar who doesn't, who now tells the truth. I am a drug addict who wants to get high sometimes. So I just want this, it sounds a little disingenuous, like this is a light switch and all of a sudden everything's removed and I got, go skipping into the future. Uh, and that's just not how it's worked for me. I, I, I can't speak for everybody else. So if you're listening and, um, and look, I had somebody, uh, speaking of social media, I had someone stalk me on social media and um, because <laughs> I, I refused, I didn't know him, you know, which is unusual for me because, you know, anonymous stuff usually gets my ticket. But anyway, he's, and I refused him and he said, I, I heard you on the podcast, I want to talk to you. And we talked today, and this is a shout out to Finn in California. I love him. I love him more that he told the truth about his life to me today. And, and that's all we're all looking for is someone who took the risk to tell the truth about what's really going on. I don't care what character defects he hasn't had removed. I don't care what, I don't care what he did. I don't care what brought us here. We say it in our readings. We don't care we, about any of that stuff. We want to know what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. And how I helped today was listening. Everybody in this fucking fellowship can do that. Just listen. Thanks. Anybody else? Yeah, Brian, go for it. Yeah. Brian and then Lee. I was just thinking, like, um, you know, whenever whenever I was in active addiction, like, um, honesty definitely wasn't something that I was practicing you know my whole life was pretty much alive from wake up until bed you know one lie covering up another lying to employers lying to my family uh, lying about you know whatever it was just to feed my addiction and then you know thinking about coming into recovery you know what is the opposite action of that and and that's just being brutally honest like I, I first noticed it like when I was first getting clean like I went into a gas station and, and I got a couple things and I ended up walking out with something that I didn't pay for. And immediately, you know, my conscience, which I ignored for so long, like started to say, man, you better go back in and, and pay for that. And like after I went back in and paid for it, like that was like a small goal that I seen myself achieve. Like, OK, uh, I can be honest for once. And um, that that's just been what's carrying me through my recovery. And like I like how Paul mentioned about. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I am going to want to get high and, and it's only by honestly going to a meeting and sharing about it that 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 uh, that's relieved from me. You know, that's just been my story. Anytime that I've wanted to use, you know, I've called my sponsor. I went to a meeting, shared about it and, and, and it's and it's subsided and I've and I've been able to get through it. And anytime I start sponsoring guys, you know, I, I tell them, like, the only way this situation is going to work is if you're completely honest with me and I'll be completely honest with you. Um, you know, it's just been a, a good practice. And, uh, you know, Douglas and I were just talking about it the other night. It's like, hey, man, you know, you sponsor me and, and I'm your sponsee. There's no secrets here. You know everything about me. 
And that's the way that I try to keep it because, you know, the minute I start telling little small lies, you know, one, one lie is going to turn to a big lie. Next thing you know, I'm using. So try to practice that principle. Sometimes when the outcome doesn't probably not going to go in my favor, it's tough to be honest, but you know, I still try to do it to the best of my ability. Thanks. Thanks, Brian Lee. Thanks, Jane. Um, the part that I had trouble with in the beginning of my recovery was the dishonesty because all I did prior to recovery was lie. I mean, there was a guy we would get high together quite frequently, a couple of times a week, and we would just sit there telling each other lies, knowing we were both lying. Like, you know, like crazy, just crazy people. And Eva, God bless you. I was at a service uh, function all weekend, too. And the person, I don't know how to say this delicately, the person with the most time who, uh, you know, has all of the answers started his blah, blah, blah. And my spiritual principle was to turn around and simply walk away. Now, my disease said, punch him in the throat, cut off his oxygen, real, you know, just like give him up right, right, right in the Adam's apple. But that's not a principle. So I said, okay. And I, I nodded my head and I just turned around and I walked away. And so what Paul said, it being incremental, is absolutely accurate. The part that I feel in this paragraph that's disingenuous, and it was pointed out to me very early in my recovery, if I'm acting out, it's not old behavior. Listen, it's current because I'm doing it. And I had an old guy at 19 years when I had like less than a year tell me, he said, no, Lee, you're not acting out on old behavior. You're acting out on your current behavior. And it did take time and it did take the process. And I don't know that anything went away like poof. And, and I'm fortunate. I've, I've, been, I've been consistently in this, pro this process for, for a very long time. And so what I see is the eventual disappearance of, of a defect that I may have struggled with for, for 10 or 15 or 20 years that now has subsided and I don't act out on it. And, and I think that's what they're trying to get to, but I could be wrong. I, I remember doing the draft work for this book, but I don't remember this paragraph because I'm, I'm old and I have ACRS. Thanks, anybody else? Okay, Barbara, you want to read the next two paragraphs and comment on them? Sure. I'm Barb, an addict. Our self-made prisons no longer serve us. We are free to explore and discover what we are good at. We are free to participate, create, care, and share, surprise ourselves, take risks, be vulnerable, and stand on our own two feet. We find our beliefs and begin to act on them. We make decisions based on our values. We walk through fear and wake up to the miracles that surround us. We are free to be who we are and live as we choose. When we feel the deepest gratitude, we can look back and see that our path to that moment was neither short nor straight. What seemed like the worst decisions at one time in our recovery opened the door for some of our greatest opportunities later on. We may simply outgrow some of our decisions. What was right for us at one point in our recovery may not be right for, for the rest of our lives, but it can be difficult for us to move on. Gifts can come wrapped in such strange packages that we don't always recognize them when they arrive. Nothing that happens is entirely good or entirely bad. We do not pretend that there are no mistakes in recovery, but sometimes those mistakes can take us in a direction we hadn't thought of before. I like that. I love, see, there's some of that passion in there. It kind of choked me up, the, the wording. And my teachers come in all forms. You know, I never know somebody that I, uh, I and my teachers are people that do things that I don't want to do as well as things that I do want to do. You know, mirrors. I hate it. You know, when you talk about throat punching, my, you know, when people tell me, what are they mirroring? You know, and, and most of the time it's true. They are mirroring something, you know, and um, so the gifts can come and, and nothing that happens is entirely good or entirely bad. I believe that today. 
Now, some things um, I have more trouble, like my mom died from a horrific accident two years ago. And I was like, what's the lesson here? What's the good in this, you know? And, and it took me um, a couple years to see even some things. And, and one thing that I got through it clean, you know, that I didn't need to use over it, you know, and that I had to get comfortable with the unknown and the uncertainty. And that I had to, it's always about turning to a higher power, you know, relying on a higher power. That's always, when the rubber hits the road, the trials and tribulations of my recovery, it's me and HP, you know, and, um, so I love this, and and I like what you guys were saying um, about that paragraph before about um, that we do, we're not aware when they leave. When my character defects leave, I'm aware. Believe me. And like Lee said, it's been I have ones that it's been 20 years, you know. And I can say what you're no better than this, you know. But but it's like peeling the layers of the onion. It's it's working working through that stuff. Some of them are pretty ingrained, you know? And like Lee said too, somebody told me a long time ago, I don't get poofed. You don't get poofed in this program. You know, you gotta do the work. I gotta do the work and I gotta um, show up and keep doing those steps. And so I'm grateful to be here. Thanks. Love you guys. Thanks, anybody else? Got a couple of comments. Okay, well, look. A couple of things that are in this particular set of paragraphs is really always hit home for me. There's been some major turning points or shifting of my heart that's happened on several occasions that in the moment I would have told you is the worst part of my life or the worst situation that I was in that ended up being the, the shift. Yeah. In, uh, and one of them I can think of right away is... Um, uh, a motorcycle ride with a group of girls um, through windy roads and one of the ladies ended up uh, uh, in a horrific accident and uh, lost limbs and one of the things that came out of that or the shift in my heart was that God it, really believing that God is not Santa Claus uh, he doesn't always necessarily keep us from it but he never leaves us and he, he always provides the things necessary to heal from it. And uh, in that particular case, the lady was in an accident, yeah, but it was on a back road with no cell service and two cars from the accident was an ER nurse and a, a specialist uh, for, uh, out of the ER that were able to take care of her immediately because she had to wait for over an hour for the ambulance. And the other thing that I was remembering was when my dad was dying, who was somebody that I still had a lot of resentment towards, uh, I was put, given the opportunity to spend more and more time with him and take over his care to a complete care towards the end. And because I had a sponsor that said, Jane, why don't you just concentrate on being a good daughter instead of him being a good dad? And again, that shift in my heart that said, pay attention to what you're doing, Jane, not what other people are doing. Pay attention to what you're inputting into a person's life and not what they're not putting into your life as they should. So that paragraph, uh, those difficult moments where I'm judging good from bad. And a lot of times that good ends up not being so good later. And the judgment is what gets me in trouble. It produces expectations. So thanks. Anybody else? Yeah, Lisa. I said Lisa, but I was looking at you, Eva. <laughs> Whatever. I don't mind being called Lisa because she's pretty great. Um, so right here where it says we find our beliefs and begin to act on them and we make decisions based on our values. So when I got here, my beliefs weren't Anyways, we, I'm grateful that I got to find something new to believe in when I got here and um, some direction on how to um, begin to act on those beliefs, um, which changed how I made decisions because I started making decisions based on values instead of my vagina. And, um, you know, I mean, that's the truth. You know what I mean? Um, when I first got here, that was what made my decisions was, 
you know, my queen. So whatever. And um, now I make decisions based on values, which, you know, who knew that an addict like me can make a decision on something um, that was a value, you know? Um, so that part just really, it just kind of hit me because really when I got here, I couldn't make, I couldn't make a decision without it being from my hoo-ha. So that's all I got. Thanks. Hey, Lisa. Really, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> God, Amy, you're the best. Okay. So this part in here too, really struck out to me. It says we find, we find our beliefs and begin to act on them. And my first thought in my mind, um, was that when we're new, you know, even, even this, um, will wander off course, you know, um, I'll find, I remember being new and starting to feel that those values, you know, and then shooting out and making decisions based on these values, you know? Um, and what, what I found in that was that the, 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 um, more seasoned members had to sometimes reel me back in and help me to find the principles within those values to actually act on and not just you know, cause when we're new, I remember for myself anyway, when I was new, um, it wasn't enough just to have, you know, the values and, um, the belief system. It wasn't enough. I, I would screw it up. You know, I would go out and I would start acting on these values in this new belief system, or even recalling the belief system that my father instilled in me when I was young, but I had forgotten because of all of the medicating I did, you know? Um, I had to be really careful of that. And then once, once those members, those more seasoned members come and help me, um, they do play that vital role in my life. The, this thing that, you know, over in this next paragraph, it says, what was right for us at one point in our recovery may not be right uh, for the rest of our lives. That's when that starts to happen. You know, um, I'll go out and I'll do, I would go out and I would do something based on these values and these beliefs that I was gaining or recalling from, from my young life. And, um, I would start realizing, oh, well, that, that isn't, that isn't serving me anymore based on what the predecessors had come to me and helped me to learn, you know, about principles and how to take those things out into the world and actually use them in a good, positive way, um, and showing other people. So, that part right there, what was right for us at one point may not be right for us, right for us for the rest of our lives. Man, I've experienced that again and again and again in recovery, in the shifting of relationships and the removal of relationships and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm just grateful for that. And, and I, I was really, my heart was tugging on my predecessors in that moment, just how, how freaking important and vital they are. And, you know, if you're new in Narcotics Anonymous, um, you know, at, at first it's about save my life, you know, I'm here to save my life. And then we start realizing how freaking important the people that come before us, uh, the role is that they play and our predecessors become so important to us. And um, they really mean a lot, you know, and I'm just grateful for that. So that. Thanks, Lisa, good points. Anybody else? No, no, Douglas, why don't you read the next couple of paragraphs? Sure, thanks, Jane. Recovery is not a standardizing cookie cutter process. We don't all go through the process in the same way. And we don't all come out of it the same, but there are some familiar landmarks we pass. We have phases and stages, corners we turn, staircases we climb. Each of us has periods of intense growth and times when change is more subtle. Having a new way to live means that we have to live in new ways. And we can get confused or lost even when we have many years clean. Allowing each other room to grow at our own pace is difficult, especially when we care for each other but self-acceptance and self-respect are the results of going through the process in our own way. Time is not the same as experience. Just because we have been here for a long time doesn't mean that we know everything we need to know. We don't graduate from the simple steps that keep us clean and free. Our lives continue to unfold. We start at different places and we grow at different paces. Time represents the opportunity for growth, but we still have to step up to the challenge and be open to the lessons. A practice in honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness keeps us teachable, grateful, and humble. The difference between humility and humiliation can be the level of acceptance we have about the information we get. When we listen with an open mind, anyone can carry a message to us. Um, so I, I think this uh, this continues the thread of the of the prior paragraphs. Um, to note, you know, just to hit on hit on that thread, a couple of sentences. We're learning to survive our impulses without acting out is a new freedom. Uh, my my impulse, my default impulse, is to consume, 
it, it just is, man. You know, it just is. And 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 I'm and as we read this, like I, I have to look at it in my life, the three areas that I struggle with or or that are constantly like I need to keep in check because I allow them to get out of balance. It's food, sex, and money. It just is, you know, and 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 um uh but then that that, that thread goes on, we make decisions based on our values, which is awesome, then we're free to live uh how we choose. It gives me a lot of hope to say this point is like when it when we talk about you know, maybe we outgrow some of our decisions, but it can be difficult to move on. And um, I, I, I want to I make a comment on that with the backdrop of honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, what I just read, allows, it keeps us, you know, teachable, grateful, and humble. With that as the backdrop, I, I find myself struggling with, with when it's time for me to move, whether I've outgrown a situation or or it's just not served like what was talked about where it's just not serving. It's not hitting the same, you know, it, it's done. The expiration dates here. I'm, I'm a fucking master at, at fucking expiration date. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wrap it up. You know, it's good. We're sticking here. We're going to see how long we can stick it. But like when, when, when it's time to move and I feel that in here, like it's time to move. Um, I get, I get, I get feelings like, like I need to be loyal to, to the phase that I'm in or to the people. Like I, I can't grow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving someone behind or I'm doing, you know, any, however that looks. And, um, and, and so I did a little bit of reading about that in homeless, uh, the homeless population, very similar folks within the home, home homeless community, real hesitant to, to even take advantage of opportunities they have to leave that community because that's who they identify with. And when they leave that is they, they lose a part of their self. And it's kind of scary. It's like, well, who I am, who am I, if I'm not this, I fucking feel the same way, man. When I act out in areas of food, sex, and money, honest to God, man, it's, it, it, you know that, that that's how it feels. Like, hey, if I try to grow in this area or remove this, you know, that pruning season, like take this away or take that away, I was like, who am I with this identity piece? You know, and 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 and, it, and just this last piece about about uh, Brian, you said it really really well, man. I, I'm transparent with my guys, you know, and and really anybody, I'm a, you know, I'll, I'll tell you my shit, and I find a great freedom in that, you know, and and. Uh, it kind of eliminates the people who are half-hearted in my life, they leave. And the people who are really in my life, like they're highlighted, you know? And I love that shit. It, it, like that's a default for, from being that way. But uh, um, like my people know, man, food, sex, and money, those are my struggles. And and sometimes, you know, it's okay in an area or two. And sometimes it gets really out of whack. And, uh, but where I'm at with this is I entered into, um, it's been over five months. I, I've entered into this period of abstinence. You know, I'm not, I'm not putting my body to, to anybody. And, um, bro, and it's been awesome, man. I mean, I've seen changes and I've seen insights and, and I see stuff like this and, and, and it's coming to an end soon. And I, and I feel okay, man. I feel at peace in, in, in the, in the thing that I'm stepping out on in this, and this is what I wanted to talk about the teachable, grateful and humble piece, um, is, is I feel like I'm trying to get in touch with, if there's this light inside of me, just to be guided on, on things that like fan that, you know, fan that and kind of intensify that light. That's, that's what I should be doing and the stuff that diminishes it, which is most of the time, like the shit I want to run to, but the stuff that diminishes it, I just want to pause, man. I don't, I, I don't want to jump into it. And, uh, and it boils down to, I just, I have a desire to be healthy. Fucking, uh, um, I hope any, I hope somebody gets something out of that. I know I felt like I was the shotgun approach. I was all over, but I hit on that. I love you folks. I'm going to pass. Thanks Douglas. Okay. Eva and then Lee. Excuse me. So this time, this sentence or two right here that says time represents the opportunity for growth, but we still have to step up to the challenge and be open to the lessons. Oh, I don't. I mean, the longer I'm here, the more opportunity I have to become the person that my higher power made me to be. However, I have to do the work. It's always right there. It's it says it over and over in all of our literature. Like here's the answer, but you got to do the work and um, step up to the challenge for the lessons and be open for those lessons. And sometimes those lessons they freaking hurt. You know, um, a few years ago, I guess nope. It was the beginning of the shutdown. You know, I had, I had a, a very good friend for many years and um, 
was given an opportunity for some growth, but that meant that that person was no longer going to be in my life. And, um, you know, stepping up to that challenge and working through some of that in Narcotics Anonymous and, and she's in the program and doing it with dignity and grace was sometimes really hard, you know, um, but this is what I was taught. The, the person that I talk to about this the most is my sponsor. I don't share about it in meetings, you know, I don't share about it with mutual friends, you know, and we've been able to be in the program together and have mutual friends. And, um, but let me tell you that opportunity to, uh, that to step up to that challenge, um, was very, very hard and heartbreaking for me. But in the end, I've grown exponentially through that. Um, because there's things that are important to me. Um, there's things that are important to me in how I'm treated and accepted as a person. And, um, for a long time, I didn't feel worthy, like, you know, like just treat me however you want, but if you're going to be my friend and, um, then I'll do whatever it takes to have you stay in my life. And, um, today I, I can see that sometimes we outgrow people or they outgrow us. You know what I mean? And I don't know which which place I was at, whether she outgrew me or I outgrew her, but we outgrew each other or whatever. Um, but man, the longer that you're here, the longer that I've been here, the more um, opportunities for growth, which is usually painful, to be honest. I mean, not always, but a lot of the time. So I just, um, I just saw that and, uh, and it reminds me that even with time, I gotta be working on this stuff. I have to be, I still have to be, I have to step up for the challenge. I have to be the one to engage in my recovery. It's not just going to come floating back home to me because I've been here for a certain amount of time. That's it. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, thanks, Eva. Um, the difference between humility and humiliation can be the level of acceptance we have about the information we get. When we listen with an open mind, anyone can carry a message to us. And I just thought about something. And we, before I was talking about the defects and how they get removed. Well, anger uh, was always exacerbated because I have, I have military PTSD. And I don't know, Paul, if you remember this, about three or four years ago in the fall, we were in a business meeting and some, this woman kind of shot me the bird on the sly and I, I, I just flashed. I have no idea what I said. I have no idea what I did. And kind of when I came to, he came over and touched my arm. He said, you need to go make amends to her right now. And I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, but I, I was like, okay, so I know he sees what I did not see. So I did. I went outside, and I remember it was in the fall because it was cold. We had on coats. And I promptly admitted that I was wrong, and they weren't willing to accept that at amends, um, which was fine because a couple, two weeks after she called, and we worked, we worked through our, our differences. And it talked about... Uh, I don't know how they said it, but I always call it a badly wrapped gift. Like I get it and I'm like, man, this is fucked up. It looks like a two-year-old wrapped this present, you know, like it's, the paper's all messed up and the tape's sticking out. And, and I've had those. Um, back around 2000, I had a lot of people die, like 21, 21 people died in about 366 days. And, and I had a, I had placed a, bad that was the judgment it's bad and and it got to the point where woe was me and I, I couldn't describe I would just dissolve into tears when I would share about it um and, and I thought it was horrible I thought it was the worst thing I could I could ever go through and and, and it turned out it wasn't and it turned out that the next person that died 
actually changed the entire paradigm of death. And I'm not going to go into it because my Bluetooth is saying low battery. It would take too much time to explain the whole situation. But what happened, this sponsor of mine died after 10 years of being really close. And, and his death changed death from bad to a, in fact, spiritual experience. And, and so I try not to use those two words, good or bad, or right or wrong, um, because some, I think Jane said something about then all of a sudden I have an expectation attached to it, and that can divert me completely, completely off the path. Thanks. Anybody else? Okay, Paul, you want to lead us into the next paragraph? It's a long one. Sure, Jane, thanks. Uh, there are no unnecessary principles in NA, though we may learn them in our own time and in our own order. We can't expect to find what we are looking for if we work some steps and not others, or if we are ignoring the traditions or living in conflict with our own values. Spiritual principles are not dependent on time or circumstance. We learn by observation and experience. There is a difference between feeling like we are so sick that we will never get better and knowing that we are never, we are never done growing or recovering. Exploration lasts a lifetime. We begin over and over. We get, it gets easier to act on our own best interest even when we are feeling resistant. A member shared, I often hear newcomers say they can't imagine going to NA meetings for the rest of their lives. I had the same reservation, but today I can't imagine my life without NA. We learn to do what we have to do as well as what we want to do. We don't always want to work our program, but we know the rewards we get when we take responsibility for our recovery and the consequences when we do not. So yeah, this is a lifetime kind of commitment, but it's not, it's not terrible. It's not something, you know, it's not a life sentence, you know, and, um, you know, and that's the, that's the other option, a life sentence of this work or a life sentence in reality, you know, cause that's where a lot of this leads to, um, but the good news is there are people who are on life sentences, working programs and living fulfilling lives. So I don't want to discount that. I, here's the thing for me. What I hope to have is a sense of wonder about this process, to continue to have that. Because what I don't want is to be the old fart in the meeting, complaining about the way they do it now, or they don't do it like this, or when I got clean, we used to do it this way, or when there was, shut up. You know, recovery is in the present. It's not, it's not a just for yesterday program. It is by, by its nature, a today program. So I wanna be in the middle of it, you know, and shout out to my mom. She was always surrounded by young people. She loved that because it, she says, this keeps me young. And that's the same process in Narcotics Anonymous is I want to be surrounded by, by youth because it keeps me young. Youthful program, somebody who's just getting it, all of that stuff. If I sit around with a whole bunch of old farts discussing how it used to be, something has gone desperately wrong. I, um, the same woman that uh, Lee had to make amends to me used to, uh, me, he used to make amends to, used to arrive at meetings with a van and it was like a clown car. And there would, you know, she'd have, you know, 15 years clean and it would be these women with 30, 60, 90, just piling out of the van. And she said, those are my babies, they keep me clean. And I thought, there's something to that. I need to be surrounded. You know, I, I need to see this through new eyes all the time. I was sharing with somebody, you know, uh, how the literature is so important, how, how I love this, but I don't highlight anything. 
I'm, I'm unusual like that. I don't highlight in any, in any of my books. First of all, my mother would never let me mess up a book like that. She was British and books were sacred, right? I have books that are sacred, don't mess with them. But the other thing was, is I want to read this like it's new every time. I wanna see it with new eyes every time. I don't want to. I don't want to know what I thought two years ago. I want to know what I think today. That's the important part for me. So that kind, yeah, and that's not an indication of highlighting or not highlighting. But the mindset is: How do I keep this alive? How do I keep this new? How do I keep engaged in this? And that's what I'm. That's what I seek. And that's, you know, look, Zoom, fuck Zoom. We don't need Zoom. To hell with Zoom. And look, I'm sitting on this thing, looking at your faces, and thank God. Thank God I didn't give into my inner head that said, non-person meetings are not real meetings, blah, 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 blah. You know, if you can't hug it, if you can't hug people, it's not a real meeting. That kind of bullshit. Because I do, I have, it, it, we said, I said this today, I was working tradition nine today. I said this today, at every moment, at every point in the day, I have an expectation about how things should be. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I want to let go of that. I don't want to be like that. I want to go, what's new? Hey, let's try something. See if it works. Thanks. Oh, Doug. Hey, I love when Paul gets fired up about that shit. I really do. It gets me. Look, I get real fired up, but real convicted too, because like my thought, look, a lot of meetings I sit in, man, I'm thinking, fuck, we didn't, that, that would never fly when I got clean. <laughs> you know, like I still, I have that tape, man. And I, but I, I love what you said, Paul. That, that, that's so good stuff. And, 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 and I, I, my spirit responds to that. And I, and you know, and the people that, that I gravitate, to and gravitate to me i can't i think it's similar i think our spirits kind of connect in that of like hey i want this sense of awe man i want this like renewed perspective on what recovery is it's beautiful man it's fucking beautiful and and, and um but look i have a question for you folk with the backdrop of here this first sentence there's no unnecessary principle so we get that and then this sentence you know i'm having trouble in my interpretation with this one it says spiritual principles are not dependent on time and circumstance and so, so I took it to the, you know, quick on my phone circumstance, a fact or condition connected with relevant to an event or action. And then the example we wanted to marry, but circumstances didn't permit. And so my interpretation of this sentence, and, and I guess what I'm asking is for some context around this is like, I read that to say, Hey, look, the principles that I need to, to display, right. To walk out, give two fucks what the situation is. Like I, so, so if it's generous, I need to be generous. I don't have to, I don't have to focus on, well, this, this, or this, I need to be caring. It doesn't matter what, you know, if this is the right time to do it, or if this is, you know, um, well, this person, what about what they just did? Or they're not very tolerant. They sniper share every time they share. And he just said something fucking stupid. Should I share and sniper him? Like, I mean that, you know, little tit for tat with that game, you know, or something like this. And, and, and so I'm reading that as saying, saying hey look i can boil that all the, all off you know right there and i and i need to to look at that so so if, if you folk if i'm missing that and we want to add some context to that but but uh that's a comment i wanted to make on that i'll pass thanks doug eva so um i highlighted that and the reason why i did is because i think my interpretation was it was going with that next sentence it says we learn by observation and experience so the principles aren't dependent on time or circumstance. We can learn them anytime is how I took it. We can learn it anytime in any circumstance or by any experience that we might happen to have the opportunity to go through like I did this last time at area. And I believe that it would have been called sniper sharing and then sniper return fire. Um, um, but through that, bad experience um or circumstance i learned 
a couple of principles, right? Um, so I think that for me, um, it isn't about the using the spiritual principles um, during a time or a circumstance, but learning them or getting to experience them and then having that experience with that spiritual principle. So, um, and maybe I'm just, that's just the way that I'm thinking because of the circumstances that I had just gone through on Sunday. So um, for me, I just think that, uh, that it's true that spiritual principles, they're not, I mean, they can be learned at any moment in any circumstance and not necessarily by just people in Narcotics Anonymous, but by people in the grocery store line or my 11 year old grandson or my 30 year old daughter or um, traffic, right? Um, or in my job, because let me tell you, sometimes when you work with somebody for eight hours, you have a lot of time to learn some spiritual principles. That's all I got. Yeah, go ahead, Lee. I, I just want to share real quick an application that I was almost, I don't know when I started using it. We always say principles before personalities. You know, I lived in Dallas for a long time. We used to chant that during, during the reading. And, and at some point in this process, I had to put principles before my personality. And Eva just broke all of them down with the exception, I don't work for a living Eva but traffic, the line at the supermarket, you know, loud trunk rattling outside. I, I, I find it effective for me to deploy these principles before myself. I'm not so much, I can walk, like I said earlier, I can walk away, you know, if, if, as a last resort, um, if I can't practice, but I just keep trying, I try to stay mindful to keep them in front of my personality. And I find that creates a much smoother flow, <laughs> I guess would be the word in my life. So that, that's all I wanted to say, thanks. Anybody else, we'll move on. Okay, you've got uh, Brian, can we do the last, the one paragraph here? Sure, thanks, Jane. Uh, new information can be hard for us to accept when it doesn't come to us in the way we think it should. Whether the information itself is surprising or the messenger is not someone we usually look to for guidance, we may dismiss new ideas because we don't like the package. A member shared, I would stand on my head in a corner if my sponsor told me it would work. But when the words that could save my life came from someone I really don't care for, it's easy to dismiss them. New tools are available to us when we allow ourselves to be surprised by both the message and the messenger. If it brings us to reevaluate our belief system, so much, so much the better. We can see our initial resistance as a reservation in our willingness. Trying new things in recovery is one way to keep ourselves from getting stuck. No matter how long we have been clean, we can go to meetings and listen for the music. It sounds like when your ears pop, remember, share. Suddenly I could hear what I didn't know what I was missing before. And uh, something just came to my mind whenever I was thinking about that. And um, the, the, there was a real tough message that came to me and it was from an old, an old timer in our group. And uh, it, was, it was tough to hear. And uh, make a long story short, um, I was supposed to use my pickup truck to haul some tables for a picnic that they were having. And um, I, for some reason, I couldn't get my truck started, so I called him and I let him know. I said, hey, man, you know, um, I can't get the truck started, and I left this message on his voicemail. So when I seen him later on at night at the meeting, he came up and was like nose to nose to me. It was like, where's your accountability at? And I, I was like, holy cow, man, you know, give me a little space here. But he's, he's a guy that I look to, you know, for advice and stuff. And then I just had to gently reply like, hey, man, I did leave you a voicemail. He's like, oh, well, I didn't listen to it. I apologize. But like, that's the relationship that we have. And like, you know, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say that I like everyone in NA, but I love them, you know, and, and, and I know that, you know, most of the people, 
you know, they give me advice or, or try to steer me on the right path or people that, you know, love me as well. And um, I try not to be closed minded. You know, I know that there's something that might come from someone that I might not care particularly for that could save my life. You know, I've had it done time and time again. And um, I always, always try to listen for the message. You know, there's never been a, a bad meeting for me. There are always good meetings and I always try to, you know, just get something out of any meeting that I'm in. And uh, there's always there's always something that's uh, surprising me about recovery. And like even this in particular, you know, when the opportunity was presented, you know, with something new, I said, why not give it a shot? And just how much it's, it's helped me so far. It's, it's, it's great to be a, a, a participant. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Lisa? Yeah, that whole first part, man. You know, a lot of times I have to remember how grateful uh, the gratitude I need to have for the people in the program who have time and experience with the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous, which is the program um, that I don't particularly give a shit about or I don't particularly care for. Because what's happened for me in that situation and scenario over the time I've been clean is um, I still am able to hear a message from that person. I'm still am able to go into a meeting and it's like Brian, what Brian was just saying, I've never, there is no bad meetings. There's something in every, every meeting I go into. Right. And even when this person who I almost 16 years later, you guys, I still don't care for her. I still don't like her. And I think it's a personal, it's a personality situation. But what I've learned from that person is that I get to hear a message and I get to not worry about the package it's coming. You know, I, I have the ability to do that today. And, you know, all throughout the time I've been clean, that person has provided me that opportunity, like what Eva was talking about, you know, to show up and, and take it on, um, has provided me the opportunity to do that and hear the message and instead of seeing the messenger. And what happens every once in a while is um, that that uh, person will surprise me. They surprise me with coming at me sideways publicly and then me being able, having the ability to say, hey, I didn't appreciate that. I, I'm, not, I'm not to be treated that way and I don't appreciate the disrespect. And then seeing them actually make an amends to me when I thought that their ego was so big, they didn't have the ability to do that, but they do. And then they surprise me sometimes by me coming out, you know, going to an NA event and seeing that person come up to me and say, hey, can I just get a hug, you know? And me being able to provide that. It's that principles, like what Lee was talking about, the principles before personalities thing. Now, it's just a well-known thing that our personalities don't jive, but that's okay because we have the principles of the program today to be able to win out. You know, it wins out over, over all. And uh, I'm just so grateful for that. I'm grateful to be able to see that person's face in my mind, know that our personalities don't jive, but that the principles that the program is teaching each of us through our own journey gets to be the winner here you know the principles of before my personality today it's so important so yeah thanks oh we got time for just another little short one before we wrap this up for the evening so go ahead barbara i'm barb an addict um i i learned in 2012 i got breast cancer and um what i learned from that the person that i had butted heads with in the room that we were both strong personalities that i had the most problem with um was the one that gave, offered me the best um gave me the the most solace and and what he told me was there was an old guy that had liver cancer and the other guy said man how did you do it and he said the old guy said what a gift and I came and I thought, what the hell is he talking about? What a gift. I came to know that gift with, with breast cancer. Get up under my HP, stay in today, have a zest for life, live every day to its fullest. And breast cancer was one of the best things that happened to me in my recovery, you know. So the messenger comes in many forms. I've learned that. Just get still, plug in, listen, you know. Thanks. Just enough time for just one little short story for me that I, because uh, I was uh, pretty judgmental when I got here, uh, black and white, that's where I lived in, right, wrong, and uh, I used to go to meetings and sit across and, and judge how much time, try to guess how much time somebody had or how much steps they were working, and there was this one guy in the program, in the meetings, that uh, was straight down a block away from the psych ward, and uh, he would come to the meetings and he'd jabber on. 
and uh, not any sense whatsoever. And then every once in a while, like in the middle of his jabbering, he'd say something really profound and I just about break my neck. It's like, wow, where did that come from? And then he'd jabber on again. But, and uh, it was just life-changing for me to know that uh, regardless of the package, we all have something to, to give to the meeting. And it's just like the door opened every once in a while and sanity came out for him. And uh, it changed my, changed my life in more than one way. So thanks everybody for joining in and talking tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.